Your brain needs support, and new Ollie Brainy Chews are a delightful way to take care of your cognitive health. Made with scientifically backed ingredients like Thai ginger, L theanine, and caffeine, Brainy Chews support healthy brain function and help you find your focus, stay chill, or get energized. Be kind to your mind and get these nootropic chews at ollie.com. That's O-L-L-Y.com. These statements have not been evaluated by the Food and Drug Administration. This product is not intended to diagnose, treat, cure, or prevent any disease. Come, walk down the winding path. Don't mind the spooks and monsters. They stay hidden within the trees. There are mysteries in this world that you need to know, and paranormal truths that need to be told. Come, step up into the caravan, where we share tales of old, as well as new accounts about things you thought only existed in your nightmares. Oh, well, hello, and welcome to another edition of The Caravan Library of Lore where I've made my way down the dark and windy path and stayed away from the spooks and monsters and... Oh, it's okay, boy. It's okay. Yeah, it's a good boy. Anyway, I've stayed away from the spooks and monsters, but I've arrived at Lady Anne's Caravan. And tonight, we're joined by a very special guest who traveled all the way from a hilltop in the mossy bottoms of the deep south of Arkansas, Joe Roop of Lighting the Void Radio on the Fringe FM. And we're going to just discuss whatever topics may banter about within the walls of the caravan. So let's go inside and join the conversation. I started a podcast a long time ago, and I called it uh, I called it White Trash Guru, right? And it flopped, like just totally flopped. And so I, ex- I uh, experienced failure, and I didn't like it. Um, so I really got into studying, uh, you know, how to do all this stuff and started uh, doing Lighting the Void once a week, then twice a week, and then a few people wanted me to do it more. And then so I started the Fringe FM with a buddy of mine, Dave Cruz. I think it was like January of 16. Time goes by so fast, but I'm pretty sure it's a little oh, over know, two right? years. Mm-hmm. And that's where it's, it's, you know, now I'm doing Lighting the Void five nights a week. And then we've got the Fringe FM. It's got a ton of other shows on it. And it's just kind of uh, taken off from there. It's been growing ever since. Well, it has been a huge success. So then let me ask you, when you first started doing Lighting the Void, did you do it in a podcast format, record it, and then air it? Or were you always doing live? Yeah, I always, well, I started out doing a podcast format. Then I tried uh, live, like YouTube, and recorded but I always wanted to do the radio format style because I've, uh, I liked when I heard, obviously everybody says this, but when I heard Art Bell, I was like, wow, yeah, this is, this is fun. This is what I want to do. 
eventually one day. It is fun, isn't it? Yeah. yeah. And then he just uh, he quit and came back and quit again. And I was like, yeah, this is uh, I'm not finding what I'm looking for here. So I just started doing it myself, you know. Well, kudos to you for doing that and stepping up to the mic, so to speak, and uh, picking up the baggage where it got left off at. So when was your first introduction to Art Bell? Because we'll talk a few minutes about Art Bell, not the entire show, but we'll talk a few minutes. I'm always interested in how people were introduced to Art Bell. Was it just accidental or did somebody turn you on to it? Well, a friend of mine turned me on to it. It was uh, the first actually podcast I did with a guy named Stephen Ash, and I was really into the occult and magic and uh I had heard rumors about that there was much more to this guy than everybody, than he put on. And he told me, he said, you know, one of these days you're going to end up like the, the grandiose Art Bell, you know, or John B. Wells. And I was like, well, who, who's that? And he was like, are you serious? <laughs> you know, I was like, yeah, I don't mm-hmm. know who that is. And so I looked mm-hmm. up Art Bell and that was it. And I was a late, like I came into it late, um, and then I went back and started listening to all the archives, and I was like, I can't believe I missed this. It's kind of like missing out on something yeah, cool right. for years. Yeah, I mean, I was privileged enough. A friend turned me on to it. We were working, uh, or he was working overnights, and I would go and visit him because he worked in a data vault. And I'm not giving away too much information, but we would be there, you know, pretty late at night, midnight hour. And he'd flip the radio on, and hey, you ever hear this show? And, of course, that music... Uh, everybody on the planet that's in paranormal radio would love to be able to have that music for their own back pocket because his opening music is just, it was perfect. It set the tone for what you were about to experience. And, of course, you know, I would tell other friends, man, this is like X-Files on the radio. It's fantastic. Did you ever hear this show? And people weren't into it. I'm like, well, this is cool because now Art Bell belongs to me. This is my thing. It belongs to me, It's and, and I'm the only one that will get to enjoy this. I won't share this with anybody else. But then as the years progressed on, uh, more and more people that I would run into were talking about some of the shows that he had, some of the big, bigger shows that were notorious with Art Bell, you know, the Area 51 caller that was claiming, you know, that he's being... And who knows if any of that has any reality behind it or not, or if it was a hoax, and then he was getting threats, and all this craziness was going on. And so more and more people started getting involved in what the Art Bell show was all about. Now, this is really cool. But it was only two, three days ago, um, I was speaking to a co-worker, and I have no idea. This gentleman just didn't look the part at all. He asked me straight up, he's like, so what's your day look like? I'm like, well, it's pretty busy. You know, I, I got to push a lot out today and then uh, I'll be behind the microphone. And he's like, well, what do you mean? Are you sing?" I'm like, no, I, we do a paranormal podcast. And he's like, really? Well, that sounds interesting. You know, I used to listen to Art Bell all the time. And then I went over to George Norrie and he could rattle off just about every episode. And I'm like, dude, you're amazing here. Here's the information if you want to continue to listen to all these paranormal podcasts. And I gave him a list. And of course, Lighting the Void is on that list. And he was like, wow, I really appreciate it. You know, because I do look for stuff like that. Listen to one of these out driving. So it makes it more entertaining for him. And it certainly kind of lit me up inside to know that yet there's somebody else that we have that common connection with. Lady Ann, what was your first experience with Mr. Bell? Uh, my grandpa 
actually. He was, you know, the one that showed me Art Bell and Edgar Allan Poe and, you know, all that great stuff. Did you listen to it together? Or? No, he just turned me on to it. He would tell me different stories that were on the show, you know, things that he had heard. But, no, we never ended up listening to it together. Eh, either way, that's okay. So that wraps up uh, our Art Bell segment. Rest in peace, sir. Godspeed. Uh, he is terribly missed. And there's a lot of other people that have uh, always said, man, I, I would like to be or the next person. So oh, you sh- you could be the next Art Bell. Art Bell will never be replaced. In my opinion, he'll never be replaced. He started something new. He went in a new direction with it that nobody else has ever done. And I don't know that those shoes will ever be filled. But he certainly opened the gates for all of us to flood in and do our own thing. And... So, to Art Bell, he is the godfather of Paranormal Radio, and I don't think any of us would probably be doing this if it wasn't for him. So, kudos and Godspeed. So, you have a couple questions, don't you, Jen? Lady Anne? I do. (laughs) That's fine. Um, Joe, I was wondering, uh, out of, you've got like over 300 episodes, right? Yes, yes. That you've put out? It's, uh, I think I'm at like 360 something now, yeah. Right, so that's a lot. Now, do you have any out of all of those that were your, I guess, most memorable? Something that really stood out that is your favorite? Hmm, boy, yeah. Um, I don't, I don't, you know, that's, uh, that is a very good question because that's hard to, there's quite a few actually that I feel connected to i would say the first time i spoke to john anthony west was a big deal for me uh, because we were talking about a guy that was a satirist you know he wasn't uh he wasn't a big time uh academic type person he just did tours of egypt he was a really good researcher super famous and uh, and it wasn't really about the conversation although that was the the great part of it it was just the fact that man this was the first time i got to speak to somebody who i never imagined i would get to speak to um even when I was at work, I, I remember I was at my job at Verizon and I was walking between breaks and someone called me from uh, New York. And I was like, who's this? And I picked up the phone and he said, hey, is this uh, Joe Roop? And I said, yeah. And he goes, this is John Anthony West. And I was like, get out of here. And I actually hung up on him, <laughs> you know. You know? Oh, wow. <laughs> and then he called me back. That's awesome. <laughs> and he goes, no, I'm serious. This is John Anthony West. I was like, what? You know? And my boss is flagging me to come back in, and I'm pretty much giving him the bird, kind of like, no, nope, not going to happen this time. <laughs> um, and uh, wow. I would like to think is every conversation I feel like I have with people is fantastic, but it's those moments that really, those exciting moments when you make some kind mm-hmm. of breakthrough that that are more memorable for me, I think. Well, especially right. if you get the call, that's fantastic. You yeah, know what yeah, I'm saying? <laughs> surreal. It didn't seem right or real to me, you know. And to mm-hmm. others, he probably isn't that big of a deal, but just seeing him on Rogan a few times and then mm-hmm. having him call me was different. You know, it made me feel, I don't know, special, I guess. You know what I'm saying? It was a good feeling. Ah, you are right. special, Joe. You know that. <laughs> that makes sense. And if you don't know that, well. <laughs> I'm going to tell you, you are special. And and in the good radio way, you, you have a gift, and uh, I envy that gift. But yeah, you're very special, and uh, you're going places, my friend. I know, I, I know what you mean by having him call you. I yeah. kind of felt that way 
when uh, Linda Godfrey, you know, reached out and was willing to do the show with us. Oh, you got to speak with her? I still haven't got to speak with Linda. And I want to really bad. She's a tough cookie to be able to nail down to get an interview, but she is the sweetest woman that walks the face of the earth. She's just absolutely adorable, and she will give you her time, and she's so courteous with everybody all the listeners, and she wanted to make sure that she thanked every listener that was listening to the show and gave all the information, and she was just an absolute joy to speak with. So that was a really memorable moment yeah, for the Caravan of Lore. All right, next so question, building off of before that. I throw one at you. <laughs> <laughs> oh, boy. No, so building off of that, if you could have anybody in the world, anyone, who would you want to have on your show? Man, that's a tough one, too. Uh... You know, the name Duncan Trussell sticks out to me more than anything because I've listened to the Duncan Trussell Family Hour for so long. And, I mean, uh, here's a guy that would do a, a podcast and talk. He talked about everything that I... It seemed like every time I was involved with something, it would come up on his podcast. And um, he was the only guy I know that, when as his mother was passing away, made a podcast out of it. A conversation between him and his mother as she was leaving the earth and it was the most amazing thing i ever heard and yeah i mean he's got stuff that he would go on rogan all the time and i could tell that he's kind of holding back because joe would always have these uh, logical opinions about spirituality and he would try to convince him in another way and he was one of the only people that could actually get joe to think deeper about something and always wondered what's he really hiding what does he really want to say you know um i would love to pick his brain yeah, I would too. <laughs> and I laugh, but I, th- I think between all three of us, yeah, I think we'd like to do a little brain picking and find out some philosophies and things that I haven't really either figured out or thought of yet. Yeah, I mean, these guys, you it would know, be they, a privilege. They travel the. Every time he comes on, he's got a new story, some new guru he met, uh-huh. and some uh-huh. guy that they go to all these places and have all these experiences and. It's one thing to study and do your own meditations, practices, and rituals. It's a whole other thing to to have that type of uh, life where you can go out and experience these things with different people in different places and then come back and talk about it, you know, and he's done that. You know, isn't it crazy that some people, and I, and I don't know how they fall backwards into all this. I, I just don't understand it. I've asked, and sometimes I can't get the answer because it comes naturally to them, but how do you turn this into your full-time thing? I, I, I was just like, I, I oh, would yeah. like to do that full-time thing, but I, financially I can't. But some people just kind of step right into it, and this is their life, and they sustain just fine. I was like, wow, you're a superstar, and, and I understand they worked for it, but... You know, there's just some people out there. I scratch my head going, how do I do this full time and and still be able to be successful at this? And I understand there's a lot of insecurities with some people that go, well, you know, you don't have that that knowledge every week that you're going to get, you know, a certain X amount of dollars. And that's right. Some people just don't care. They just don't care. They don't care, and that's what makes them so successful because they know somehow, some way, this universe will take care of it for them, and they just keep doing what they do, and they're very successful at it. So kudos. Well, yeah, I get that question a lot. And And any question anybody wants to know about where I'm at and how I got to where I'm at, 
I'll happily answer in full detail, actually. It's just mm-hmm. more, there's a lot of that faith that you're talking about that goes in it, that's involved with it. And when a, a synchronicity happens, like when you get a, a support, you can't take it for granted. And I did for so long. I wouldn't believe in, like, okay, that's a coincidence. Well, no, that's a coincidence. No, that's a coincidence. Mm-hmm. After a while, you're like, okay, this isn't a coincidence anymore. Now what do I do, right? So uh, what am I, first you have to ask yourself, if you really want to do this for a living, what are you willing to do that others aren't doing? And what are you willing to live without if you really want to do it? Because when I say I'm in a shack, I'm not really joking, kind of. So it's like um, I, I left a very comfortable life to do this, and uh, it was scary, you know, and didn't start getting any feedback for a year almost um so it's you got to be able to i think understand the long game too you know well i've also heard too you know the philosophy that you know don't let anybody throw negatives at you if you know what the path is and what it is you want to do you push them out of the way and you just keep going they may say you're going to be a failure you don't even bother you're going to be an absolute failure nobody's going to listen to this no just stop and you just have to push that stuff away and keep trudging forward. And the next thing you know, you're successful and they're looking at you going, huh, how did you do that? Right. Well, you put, you know, you got my um, way. I've had to push you out of the way in order for it to, to get, to make that happen. Okay. Well, I just got a notification for me into the fray radio. <laughs> I think that, um, think you know, right? when it comes to doing <laughs> things that you love, you don't think about the money. You just be like, this is what I love and this is what I want to do. And you just mm-hmm. go after it. The money will fall into place. Don't focus on that. Mm-hmm. I don't know. That's yeah, but you do. see, another thing, too, that happens is uh, you got to change your whole... I, I had to change my whole idea about money, which is one of the reasons why I brag so much about magic and all this other stuff, because I changed my whole ideas and beliefs about it. And... Um, I was like, so wait, right. so I, if I don't get an, enough donations or whatever, let's do whatever I got to do. Let's do the, the mugs, the t-shirts, the donations, uh, maybe explicit content, but what else can I do? Um, take what I've learned and, and do something else. So that's kind of where the Fringe FM came into play. I was like, so I've learned how to do all these things. Why not make, make it a, some type of service? So if somebody has a show, then we can all help each other. But if somebody needs a producer, I can do that too. So it's kind of like the skills that I've learned as I went along doing this allowed me to give value to others too, and it just perpetuated that way. Right. Well, I have to say between Lady Anne and myself, uh, we are thrilled to jump aboard the Fringe FM. And everybody that's listening in the Caravan of Lore, you will be able to find us over on the Fringe FM. And it's rather easy to find, even if you just open up a... You know, your Google browser, whatever. Just type in the Fringe FM. Even Fringe FM. It'll come up. It'll be in your top of your search. And you can just click on it and link you over to their webpage. And you can listen live to the current shows that are playing. And you'll be able to search your favorite shows. And you'll see what highlights and lowlights there are. So thank you for uh, the Fringe FM and their entire broadcasting staff. I know I posted that over there. And you, Joe, for uh, inviting us over. And I'm yeah, completely man. excited. And and I know the Super NRML is going to be over at the Fringe FM right. probably within a month or so. And uh, all 
five of us at the fran- at uh, Supernormal, excuse me, uh, are very excited to be part of that platform too. So, yeah, kudos again, man. Guys. All these kudos that are going out tonight. This is crazy. Yeah, it's all right. Stuff, so, Lady right? Ann, Lady Ann, uh, who do you want on your show if you had your choice of anybody? Mm-hmm. Constantinos. He's an author oh, of right, uh, Vampires, right, right, The Occult right. Truth, and he also did another book called Werewolf, The Occult Truth. Yeah, I think it'd be fascinating huh. to talk to him. Or that guy, you know, Joe, you had uh, Varla on the other night, and she was talking about some guy that she knew, Sebastian, he's a fangsmith. And it was so funny, because um, I have a friend that works in a dental office, and I'm just like, oh, look at this, there's fangsmiths, and I, I want fangs. <laughs> <laughs> I just wouldn't want to go through the process of actually getting, you know, the process of getting a crown and having it be a permanent fang and then, you know, I don't know. Well, that's some serious dedication. I can (laughs) tell you that. And if you want to get them full-time fangs, because that just, Mm -hmm. especially in the dating world, that cuts you right out. You know, your pie just shrunk, you know, so you've got, if you're looking at a pie chart of people that would date you. You know what, though? That's where it comes back to the manifesting... Yeah. Go ahead. I mean, think of the disciplinary benefits to it, though. You ain't going to have anybody hassle you, that's for sure. Yeah, right. Do a smile. (laughs) They're hitting the other way, man. We're out. Same thing with the kids. They don't behave. You just give them that smile. They're like, okay, mom. (laughs) We'll listen. (laughs) Right. We we know better. That's fantastic. Uh, mm Mm-hmm. So, uh... I do have another question. My go-to... Oh, well, hang on. Yeah, well, what no, about Van? Go ahead. Well, who do you want? Who do you want? To yeah, what about true. Van? Yeah, well, we forgot about the Duke over here. We, we did. I would really love to, and I know it's been exploited, and he'd be hard to get on the show because he he just is not willing to do this anymore. He had enough, but I want to speak with Bob Lazar. I, I, I want to have that conversation with Bob Lazar. Even though it was back in the 80s when he had his experience at S4 and, and, and was working with these craft and have the anti-gravity device and trying to explain it and the fact that he figured out element 115 before it was even discovered on the element charts. How did a 20-year-old kid know about any of this stuff? I, I thoroughly believe his story. I very much believe his story that... You know, and if you're not familiar with Bob Lazar, you know, he had to, he was solicited to go to Area 51 and, but to the other side, which I think was like 15 miles away over to a location that he referred to as S4, which they had hangars in the mountainside with nine UFOs inside those hangars. And it was his job to try to figure out back engineering on how to get this thing to work and, he just knows way too much information, way too much information that is now starting to come out that it's provable. Everything he said is now coming to light of, yeah, this exists and this is and this is. So I, I would love to have a conversation with him. It would be a privilege of a lifetime in this thing. And the, and the whole thing is, I'm not a big UFO guy. There's other things that really spark my interest a little bit more, but being prominent on the surface of that whole subject of ufology i i would love to have a conversation with him hmm. all right lady ann question no i was wondering what topic 
it is that you enjoy the most to talk about and which one scares you the most if any uh well okay that's a really good question uh obviously one of my favorite topics if you've listened to the show as i'm a big mm-hmm. big lover of consciousness exploration but the occult and magic is one of my favorites but also mm-hmm. scares me the most and being a practitioner myself it's weird right because um people think mm, well why would you be scared of something that you do well if you if you talk to any real occultist or they'll tell you it's, there's some dangers to it and there's dangers to the psyche there's dangers right. to it and it does scare me it scares me when i talk about it it scares me when it fascinates people um because i'm i'm afraid of what would happen to the to people the same thing that happened to me the dabblers and uh, there's always i mean when you think of the occult there's always dabblers right there's always people that dabble with it a little bit uh right so yeah that's that's that would be the one that scares me the most but also the most the inter- most interesting one for me to talk about mm-hmm. lady ann what's yours mine no oh, you shucks. haven't even thought of an answer for yourself <laughs> well no i mean i you can guess which one my favorite is vampires of course yeah right that, you know well and but I really what scares love you the most what scares me the most i think that the wendigo and um skinwalkers would mm-hmm. you know that's definitely up there especially with how many encounters there are and to mm-hmm. really go beyond and think like just play with that thought of okay let's just say it is real without a shadow of a doubt this is a thing holy cow you know that would suck <laughs> i think that's what i'd be scared yeah, of the most suck. <laughs> i'm not sure suck is a good enough word but no, i certainly understand what you mean <laughs> Oh, right. Very much. That's a scary word, skinwalker hmm. in itself, right? Just think about it. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. See, right. And there's a lot of, I've heard that you're not even supposed to say the word. That's how powerful it is. Oh, boy. Mm-hmm. We've said it three times already. I know. Beetlejuice, Beetlejuice, Beetlejuice. <laughs> right. <laughs> I did it. I, I had to do that. No, and it is. Okay, it's how about true you? In the uh, native law. What what's my favorite topic and what scares me the most um probably my favorite is the cryptid world but it's not really included with bigfoot bigfoot's kind of down on the bottom of that i'm into other strange cryptids um i'm fascinated with thunderbirds and this whole mothman thing I, i i i don't know i think the mystery of why the human existence has actually carried the either it's a rumor or it actually exists maybe it's a demon maybe it comes from another place i don't know but the whole thing fascinates me but the thing that would scare me the most is probably uh you know rolling over in my bed and looking out the window and seeing a little gray staring back at me i think i would just i think i would lose her right there i think that probably is my most terrifying thing and i was I think I did an episode with Caravan, didn't we, Lady Anne, where I explained my what I thought may have been a Bigfoot experience. I don't know, while camping right. with my brother up in the middle of nowhere and right at the, mm-hmm. you know. That was a long time ago. 
Yeah, right on the shores of yeah. Lake Superior in northern Wisconsin, in the middle of nowhere in the woods. And we were just off a fire break, and we heard wood knocks and stuff. But I knew nothing about any of this. I didn't know what we were listening to. It's not until years later you hear about wood knocks and all hmm. this crap. But I was in the tent, terrified that we were going to be abducted. I was just like, I'm out here. I'm exposed, and there's going to be this UFO come down. These little grays are going to come take me away, and they're going to do whatever they do to me. And, of course, Fire in the Sky had just come out, and the X-Files was just premiering. So all this stuff was right at the surface, you know, and it was really messing with my psyche. But still, as of today, I it's just it's a creepy thing. I just fear the fact that if I ever saw something that's my... I can deal with a Godzilla creature. I can deal with a King Kong creature. I can deal with all that because you can see them coming. It's them little dudes that you just don't know where they're hiding and when they're going to come get you. Uh -uh, That terrifies me. I had a funny thought, actually. Um, Vance would be the perfect character, like in that Blair Witch type video. You know, that scared look in the (laughs) tent with the the flashlight. Right. I don't know if I'm going outside the tent or not, you know, but... (laughs) I'm gonna be the one that That's he me. would be. He would be the one that has to do it, you know, and then end up disappearing. Yeah, yeah, with a real runny nose and all shaky and scared and hiding under the blanket. Yeah, I, I'm. I'm a big chicken, Joe. I really am. I'm a big chicken, which is funny because I know a lot of us are. Yet we talk about it, and we're all we're all good with talking about it. But man, faced with some of these encounters that. Some of these listeners and have had, or people that reach out and contact these shows that have had, I can't put myself in those shoes without just being mortified with terror. That's scary, some right. of these experiences people have had. And I, my heart goes mm-hmm. out to them. And I think that's probably the biggest reason why I sit behind the microphone here, because I just want to reach my hand out and say, it's okay. You know, I believe you and, and yeah. it'll be okay. You know, and there's only so much you can offer somebody like that, but at least they know there's a support group out there to at least they can talk to about it. And that's really one thing about the caravan and other shows that we participate in. Uh, that's our philosophy is however we can reach out and help you, we don't judge. None of us judge because I'm not there with their experience to say it didn't happen. And I would never do that to somebody. If they said it happened to them, I'm going to go along with it and say, that's terrifying. No, just go okay. ahead and say, hey, right. so, I got something. Yeah. So I can, I mean, I can totally understand the, the part about being scared, too, because when I got into the uh, the occult, one of the things that scared me the most was, um, you know, demons, like where these things were real, uh, or they just parts of us, because I'd read a lot of books on them. You know, well, they're just shadow aspects of ourselves, and I would open up these grimoires that would show the four kings of hell and their names and the generals the demonic generals and all the demons underneath them and then you had other grimoires that would even tell you what they looked like um you know i've never told anybody this and i've always preached against this like religiously but i guess i'll tell you guys because i love you guys so much you know uh that i i did try something once and i'm not gonna say it because i know somebody out there will pick up that book and go try to do it and i did have an encounter with a red-eyed black figure that I could hear in my head while I was looking at it. And it was kind of like Mm -hmm. a, you know, I had a show the other night where I was talking about tones and I was asking questions kind of to get people's opinions on it. But this thing 
when I saw it, you know, the, a tone went off in my head, kind of like a, a bell, if that makes any sense. Uh, like a, a bell right. cry to where I was just frozen and full of fear. Mm. And it was just it's kind of like that, you know, that wee sound that goes in your ear. And the more it looked at right. me, the more full of fear I, I could I couldn't move. I'm even stuttering thinking about talking about it. And I knew that I had one uh, phrase that I could do, one trace of a symbol I could do to, to get help. And I thought, oh, man, they're real. It's real. And my heart is was just speeding up. And I'm like, it, I'm trapped. I know I'm inside the circle, but still, it's like, this thing's got me. That's what it felt like. Um, and I won't go too much into the operation, like I said, because I don't want people to do it. But when it was over... I sat in the circle and just sweat for a long. I, I just couldn't believe it. I was like, "What, what just happened?" You know, um, who can mm-hmm. I tell about this? I'm telling you guys about this for the first time, that it is dangerous and those things are real. And I, since then, I've been mm-hmm. trying to figure out: was that thing a part of me? Because if that thing really is a part of me, like some magicians say, and it's not separate, then what is going on with me? Or vice versa, like if that thing is not a part of me then we really don't know what's going on at all. Right. Okay. No, that's wow. that's a really good question. Is it a part of you? And how do you cleanse it out of you if you don't mm-hmm. want it there? What do you have to go through in order to do that? Maybe maybe that's where in, you know, Catholicism exorcism comes in and that's the right. term that they use, you know, how do you expel it from your from yourself? But yeah, it's I think it's almost even more terrifying if it's external. And it chose you, you know, to have that. Oh, man, that's terrifying. Yeah. yeah. No, that, terrifying so just I, isn't a big enough word. Yeah. It's really not a big enough word mm-hmm. because you're going through an emotional state. And to use words to describe an emotional state, try to describe love. You can't. You, you I mean, you can kind of give some sort of a uh, an analogy to it through words, but Rough you just can't line. describe an emotion. But when you're experiencing it. I can get yeah, real nerdy on you with it if you want to, to kind of help. I mean, we're all nerds here, right? <laughs> Please do. To kind of describe no, yeah, it. Absolutely. Um, yeah. The Lord of the Rings, you know, where uh, um, where the Dark Lord came through for the first time when they thought he was trapped, mm-hmm. you know, and uh, yeah. the Lady of the Wood got in that battle with him and they were he was coming through and she turned it into right, like right, right. this dark figure. Yeah, that's what it Mm -hmm. felt like. Like something was talking to me, trying to put me in a trance, you know. And it just, just, just in and out. And I was thinking, I'm dead. I'm gonna die, you know. Um, What do I do? Well, I'm, I'm glad the outcome was what it was. I'm. I made it. That's all that mattered to me was I did. I made it out of there. Well, well, you know, see, between the two of you, having some. (laughs) <laughs> crazy stuff i mean i've seen i've seen you know a crazy thing but i it just was not malevolent to me at all it really wasn't and i don't even know that i was even recognized in being in that space and that's a big difference it was startling but i wasn't scared it's certainly startling though you know i saw three shadow figures and a lot of people see shadow figures out of the corner of their eye and they turn and uh missed it i looked at three of them straight on and i watched them walk from one side of a wall to another side of the wall through the wall and i was like what did i just experience and i asked you know a co-worker because this was in a place of employment 
And I asked, he's like, yeah, I see him all the time. I'm like, really? What is going on here? But the fact that I saw three of them, two were about the same height and the one, because they were walking in a single file against the wall and they were just, they weren't black beyond black, not at all. They were just kind of a shadowy grayish type of figures, but they all three looked hooded and just walked from one side to another. And I am watching them. Wow. That was crazy. But this red eye thing, no. That's a big nope for me. Yeah, I that's just didn't really believe intense. it. I didn't believe it. I talked to this guy named uh, uh, Frater Sean, and he was a magician, and he talked about invoking angels, and he had some of the most beautiful. His temple was beautiful. The tools that his mm-hmm. ceremonial tools that he made were beautiful, and how he described when the angel showed up, how powerful it was, and he just couldn't even get up. And I was thinking, okay, well, I've tried that before. Uh, if, if he's right. I just want to see if there's something on the other side besides what's in my head. Just this once. Mm-hmm. And I've told people for, on right. my show forever that I would never and have never. That's been a big fat lie. I'll just admit to you. I've got just everybody that gets involved with this tries something stupid once in a while. And I did, you know. No, it's understandable. I right. mean, look at, you know, as, yeah. as kids, you know, ooh, what's a Ouija board? Let's mess with it. <laughs> How much oh, yeah, of the Ouija board one. are you really going to tie into? You know, is it a telephone to, you know, something that we are unfamiliar? I don't know. It's possible. I found it rather interesting how the whole concept of the Ouija board came about to begin with. So there has to be something there, you know, that people are able to communicate somehow. And and it's not on the same level in what you are talking about, Joe. It's it's nowhere near on the same level. But people always, oh, be careful with the Ouija board. Yeah, right. You, you don't know what you're messing with. Well, then heed warning. If you don't know what you're messing with, then just heed warning and, and kind of step away from it and say, you know, it's a tool. I'm not prepared for that tool. And I think all too often, like you said at the beginning of your experience, you don't want to share too much information because you don't want people to, you know, get the book and try it. Exactly. Because there are people who, hey, I'm kind of bored. This is what I want to do. You're not prepared. You, you are just not prepared. You don't go into battle in t-shirt and jean. No, you don't. You you have your armament and your protection and, and your protective devices. And you need to mentally prepare and physically prepare for something like that. So Exactly, yeah. You, know. you nailed it, man. It made the... Uh, the ceremonial magician, you know, uh, is such a old traditional magical system. It goes back to the Renaissance, and every it's all about tools. And you see those four elemental tools on the the tarot card of the magician. And if if you haven't mastered those things, why would you go out and poke demons? Why would you poke at them? Mm. You haven't mastered mm-hmm. the four aspects of yourself, trying to get to your spirit, and you want to go out and start pulling things out of the ether just for the fun. Yeah, go ahead right. and see what happens, right? Yeah, so you're right. Well, I'll back up a little bit because, you know, what you had said about, you know, okay, you saw her with red eyes. And I'll back up to my whole cryptid fascination that all these Mothman sightings, every, all these witnesses and testimonials that come forth, they all describe the same thing. It was a tall figure with wings, but it had red eyes. Mm. So I'm wondering, was this manifested somehow and it's stuck here like a fly stuck in your house and it can't get out, you know, and it just, you know, it, it showed up. I don't up know much about the Mothman. Just, That's chilling to me, though. Right. Do they talk about like a tones or anything that they hear, too? Um, there is audible noises in some testimonial cases. 
yes, outside of physical noises of either a wing flap or something, but a, a lot of what I've heard, yeah, I don't know about an audible tone, but one case which you know uh, a lawyer i believe it was an attorney and his wife they they left dinner and this is when the whole mothman of chicago flap was going on and this is downtown chicago and they left the restaurant and they were walking back to their apartment right along lakeshore drive in downtown chicago uh the woman noticed this thing up in the air caught her eye and it came down in front of them and they were both terrified but they said the craziest thing was this thing wasn't physically moving its wings to stay aloft. It just had its wings out, but was hovering. Oh, but it was like vibrating. It was an intense vibration. Yeah. And she noticed it prim- primarily at the feet were vibrating at a high rate of speed. Who makes stuff up like that? Nobody. And it had red glowing eyes. And then it just shot up out of sight. And there's been, you know, a number of reports like that. And that's the part of it that I'm interested in. There's other aspects I think people just jumped on board. Ooh, hey, there's a Mothman flap. Well, I'm going to call in a report and make stuff up. And I think that has been the case in in some situations in Chicago. I don't think the flap that took place in Chicago comes anywhere close to what happened in Point Pleasant, West Virginia back in 1967. There's a lot more witnesses and a little bit more physical evidence of something happening there. And if anybody is not familiar listening to this about the Mothman of Point Pleasant, there's a plethora of books on it. Um, John Keel wrote a book about it called The Mothman Prophecies. There was a movie made with Richard Gere called The Mothman I remember Prophecies. That, one. that was a good one. And then, uh, right, and well, that's all based on what the Mothman is. Okay, and, I thought that was, uh, course, I honestly thought that was made up. I really did. I no, thought that was just no. A, that's, that was that was all. That entire story that John Keel wrote was based on what transpired in Point Pleasant, West Virginia, and see. some of these similar cases are turning up in Chicago. And I'm not trying to turn this into the Mothman thing. I just found it interesting that the red eye seems to be a common denominator, even in some Dogman reports, hmm. that it had red glowing eyes. Well, I don't know of any physical flesh and blood creature on this planet that illuminates from its eyes out. And there's others, you know. Well, now you know in, why in I want Bigfoot you guys community. on the network, yeah. right? I don't have mm-hmm. I don't have anyone that is that extensive knowledge of these types of mm-hmm. things. Uh, and mm-hmm. I'll, I, I promise you, we're all going to learn so much from you guys. So it's, uh, yeah, that's fascinating to me. And then it makes me think about what is a demon what have we been calling all these different all these demons mm-hmm. like if you look in these books and they have every single name are they really all these cryptids that everybody's been talking about and that's just who they are, are they really like an ancient being you know who knows well i do believe that there's a common thread between all of this i i do believe there's a common thread even in ufology i think there is a common there's a common link with everything that we don't understand in what we refer to as the paranormal or high strangeness. I, I strongly believe that. And that one somehow is attached with another. Some of it might turn out to be a scientific explanation. And others, it just put your shoulders up and your hands up and go, I, I don't know. We just don't know. And we'll have the answers once we move on from this plane after this life and you're done using your body as a shell for 
transportation purposes <laughs> once you move along uh, we'll find out those answers but again i appreciate those kind words because this is part of why we were are excited to come over to fringe because then everybody it, it, we're all taking information from each other and, right. and putting it together to come up with a final product even though it might not be a final product it'll be a little bit bigger product than what we have right now so i can yep. learn from everybody and Hopefully, I have something that might be able to offer some knowledge too. Well, you do, man. You're part of you're part of the staff. But I want <clears throat> when you brought up the Fringe FM staff, but I wanted the caravan. Mm-hmm. I wanted you and Lady Anne. I wanted both of it. Um, you know, and you guys have become already such good friends to me. And when I interviewed uh, Varla Ventura, I was intimidated, right? Because here's a writer that knows about so many things of folklore, and you know, Lady Anne is like just throwing these questions out and like this is what she's talking about <laughs> this is the what you know what you know what uh, just mm-hmm. mermaids you know changelings all this stuff and i'm thinking man this is some this is a deep deep field that i haven't even touched you know and i'm right. um, glad that now we have some people like that actually well it's like your question that you brought up the other night on your show lighting the void um what's we folks you have yeah. no idea I know a little bit about We Folk. I know Lady Anne knows about We Folk. And then, you know, there's experiences of people that we have talked to that can go really into depth about this stuff isn't lore. This stuff actually happens. And when you talk to some people in their testimony and they're just kind of putting their hands up going, I don't know if I can go through this experience again and tell you about it. Something happened. And it's with you know little pudgewuckies and little tiny people and uh, <laughs> right. uh, no 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 again we're going back to the small little things that can sneak up on you that's scary that's really scary yeah I, I'm excited about being able to share as much as we can over at the Fringe FM uh, I'm totally stoked excited and whatever other word you want to put into it and I know that Lady Anne is too aren't you Lady Anne yeah I am that's for sure. <laughs> You need to pour me some more coffee. No, <laughs> sorry, the coffee I, I finished brew it over all. There. We're glad to have you both, what? man. And you've already, you know, you're already getting fans already. You know, because um, I like to make promos. And the thing about the Fringe FM is all of the tools that we use, uh, the training and tools and technology. I like to share it with everybody. Really, like use things as a community and teach each other. And change this whole paradigm you know it's not it's not about we've got the edge on anything it's about let's change this thing uh mm-hmm. and that's what i want the fringe fm to be i mean in all honesty that's what i want it to be i want some radio hosts when, once they get syndicated and they're on all these different terrestrial stations for the first time in their life and they're like you know what if it wasn't for the fringe fm i wouldn't be there uh I wouldn't have figured out what I needed to do technically. I wouldn't have known about that free software or podcasts that get put up on PBX that get paid. Uh, like the Moth Podcast, if you go to a PBX, you have to pay them a mm-hmm. lot of money to use their mm-hmm. podcast. You do. Um, right. And right. you can get that way if you get noticed. And I just want, there's so much talent out there. And I've told you guys this, and I really believe this to the bottom of my heart, the worst the thing that makes me want to cry sometimes is wasted talent you know people that don't believe they have it or they never get to express it and you know 
I know that Lady Anne knows that this is my philosophy, and if you haven't heard this yet, and I, I work closely with Sean Forker over at Super NRML, um, my philosophy is none of this is about me. It's not. This isn't about me wanting the popularity. This isn't about me wanting to have my my picture posted all over the place and and recognize. It's not. My whole purpose of this is to share information and listen to information that comes to me. And like I said earlier, we we all get to put this together. I am so much more, and I know Lady Anne is this way too. I am so much more a team player than I am just a solo artist out there doing my own thing. I love to work with people right. in this field. And, and I don't want the focus to be solely on me because I think it takes all of us for that spotlight to make us all shine. So that was one gravitational point as to why I wanted to come to Fringe just because of the fact that I know that's your philosophy too. This isn't yeah. about you. You're willing to share whatever you have with other people that have a talent or a passion. They don't necessarily have to have a talent, but if they have a passion, believe me, that passion shows. Yeah. And it shows bright. And and I gravitated towards that too. And it's about them just as much as it is, you know, about the lady down the street that had a strange ghost knocking on her door. I want to talk to her. And so, you know, it, it's not about me at all. And it's not about Lady Anne either. It's about me. Yeah, no, I'm just playing. <laughs> but yeah, but I think the Al Joe show. Well, I mean, okay, honestly, I'm going to be real with you here. And my, I do this because I love it too. But when I was a little kid, I would every kids do things for attention, and I was kind of swatted away. You know, you just want attention. That's bad. You just want attention. That's bad. Yet, I don't think it's bad at all. I think it's a part of love and. um people should get the attention that they want and need in some type of way if you if that's why you're doing it and i think that's okay mm-hmm. it's also okay to do it just because it's fun and because you want to share the information um but there, yeah you're right i mean you they're speaking a talent like forker there's a lot of people out there that have just so much talent it's incredible yeah well i'm privileged to be able to uh, at least get to know them and and you know you, you brought up shannon legros the other day if it mm-hmm. wasn't for shannon legros um, and you know she went through her startup too. You know she jo- she joined in with Sasquatch Chronicles and started there. And you know she kind of broke it off herself and said, "Okay, what can I do? If it wasn't for her, I wouldn't be here. Lady Anne wouldn't be here. We wouldn't even know each other. I wouldn't know Forker. I wouldn't know you. Right. I, and I owe her a debt of gratitude. And she just doesn't make it. She's like, no." This has nothing to do with her. And I'm like, it has everything to do with you. If it wasn't for you, I would not have had all these doors open for me in something that I absolutely love to do. And like I told you the other day, um, in a private conversation, I love doing the news. Yeah, I absolutely love doing the news. I love to research and go through stories. And, oh, you know what? Fringe listeners would like to hear about this. This is great. And I'll record it and we do the news. You know, so I, it, I just... I get a lot out of it, and it's more than just the monetary thing. It's just a self-satisfaction thing. Okay, so enough of boasting about <laughs> ourselves and patting ourselves on the pack. And we just want to give everybody a hearty handshake, a pat on the back, and the warm glow of victory. Right? Amen to that. Nothing else to uh, nothing else to add, Lady Anne. Um. <laughs> 
<laughs> I mean, she's shoot, sitting here with her feet up on the couch. <laughs> I can't believe you. You're just, you're just you kind of sitting there. You can turn off your remote viewing. Thank you very much. Yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, I mean, unless we want to, you know, give a shout out to Shannon and congratulate her on her 200th episode. Yeah, she, yeah. 200 episodes will be next Thursday. So good for her. Yeah. So, uh, and and we'll kind of wrap this up, but. You know, Joe, you, you talk about consciousness, and this is one of your more elite, more favorite subject matters to talk about. So we were going to do an episode at some point here at the caravan about the consciousness of not only the universe, but about the plant life around us. Ooh. And especially in forests, because, you know, you, you talk about the haunted forest and all that. What makes it that way? And somebody had posted, you know, this beautiful video of this tree in the Amazon, wherever this tree is, and it develops a seed that is designed with wings so that it can glide through the forest and transplant somewhere else. Wow. And I immediately, I immediately responded going, and you mean to tell me that plants don't have a consciousness? And understand the environment in which it exists in order to develop its seed, in order to travel on the air and move somewhere else. I thoroughly believe that, yes, there is a consciousness. How does a plant know to develop a leaf that looks like a hummingbird so that it attracts hummingbirds to it? It doesn't have eyes. It doesn't have brain. How did this plant develop itself to mimic a hummingbird? There has to be some sort of consciousness there. Yeah. And then, you know, Lady Anne and myself would go into the entire root system of a forest that all roots are interconnected, just like one of those pedestal boxes, you know, for for phone lines. And you see the repairman, and it's just a plethora of wires in there. Everything is connected. And, and all your root systems are connected. And there might be just one centralized tree that is the dominant one and and everything revolves around it and it's got this energy source and if it's a negative energy source that comes within the forest well it's going to take you out and we're going to do an episode on that but i hope to get some input from you about consciousness and living things around us i would tell you definitely a good person to talk to about that if it would be gordon Mm -hmm. white and of course he's a magician Mm -hmm. he's a chaos magician but he's big big into animism okay and the ideas Mm -hmm. of uh that everything has a spirit and everything is alive everything um and i'm not just talking about a rock i mean this guy he'll go into an area and he will bless that area even if it's a city he believes everything gets consciousness eventually it's kind of hard to explain Mm -hmm. and i don't want to speak for him but he would be yeah he would be a perfect guest for that that would be cool Mm -hmm. I appreciate that, and well, I'm writing this down as we are talking, so that I can reach out and make a contact because I need somebody to back me up on this. <laughs> yeah, yeah, you know, somebody science will tell you that it's, it's um, uh, adaptive environments and stuff. You know, it's just evolution, but I don't believe that for a second. Uh, there might be a part of that to it, but there's just too much stuff, too much oh, intuition yeah, there, there too. And we're not going to do a show on that right now. This is just a teaser, and and. You know, our listeners can look forward to that in the near coming future because I've had already responses when I brought this up as a you know up and coming show, and I've already had responses come back to me going, "You're nuts! You're not going to tell me a tree has consciousness." I'm like, "Well, this will be a fun debate then." So, those are things to look forward to. And of course, we don't make enemies. 
this is going to be a fun debate. And that's it. And maybe I can learn something from their side, and maybe they can learn something from my side. But that's how it is. All right. It's time to go feed the horses, Lady Anne. Go get the oats and put the feed bags on. Mm -hmm. Feed the horses and blow the candles out and call it a night over here at the caravan. Joe, thank you so much for stopping by. This has been an absolute pleasure. And and I, I will end on this note that it fills the cockles of my heart to have a friend like you in this business. It's it's very much appreciated and it's very highly valued. So thank you. Thanks. Yeah, that's I don't know what to say. Yeah, thanks for having me. All right, we will uh, we will talk next week. Thank you everybody for listening, and uh, yeah, stay tuned. It's going to be interesting. So bye bye, Lady Anne. You can say goodbye. <laughs> good night. Duke Olivance, and thank you. <laughs> good, good night, Duke Olivance and Joe. <laughs> From childhood's hour, I have not been as others were. I have not seen as others saw. I could not bring my passions from a common spring. From the same source, I have not taken my sorrow. I could not awaken my heart to joy at the same tone. And all I loved, I loved alone. Then, in my childhood, in the dawn of a most stormy life, was drawn from every depth of good and ill, the mystery which binds me still. From the torrent or the fountain, from the red cliff of the mountain, from the sun that round me rolled in its autumn tint of gold, from the lightning in the sky as it passed me flying by, from the thunder in the storm and the cloud that took the form when the rest of heaven was blue of a demon in my view.